Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Oh, we got another positive podcast, Coombs. The episode 149 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, and it is a second consecutive series win for the Toronto Blue Jays. They come back from the road trip of hell, and they pick up a couple of nice dubs against the Milwaukee Brewers. Welcome into the show. Uh, Coombsy, like, just solid baseball, actually, is how I think I would sum up that kind of series, or at least the two wins in that series. Just, they looked good. They looked calm. Back-to-back series wins for the first time since April. So Meltdown May is over, and now we're into good vibes only June. Mm -hmm. They started off with, um, I guess it's kind of the end of May, the Minnesota series, but maybe in our heads we can tell ourselves it was June. You win the Minnesota series, you play Milwaukee. Yeah, Two kind of ho-hum central division opponents. I'm going to keep harping on that all year (laughs) because it's become very clear that it's not just the AL Central that's asked. It's also the National League Central. Correct. So there's just like 10 teams right in the middle in purgatory there that none of them are good. Yeah. And whenever you whenever you face them, you got to win. Yeah, they did that. Like, again, four and two over a two series stretch. You know what? If you do that every time, you're making the playoffs. <laughs> there you go. Captain obvious statement of the pod. But the Jays did move out of the basement in the division. They're now 30 and 27, which, yes, is a better record than the AL Central leading Minnesota Twins. And yes, it's a better record than the AL Central leading <laughs> Milwaukee Brewers, which is quite something. In fact, if the Jays were in any of the National League divisions, the furthest back they'd be of the top spot is four games. But that's not the case. Um, and we don't need to dwell on that all too much. But some good baseball from the Toronto Blue Jays. A couple of down storylines from this series, but we're positive. It's a Thursday afternoon. The Jays, just a couple hours ago, finished off the series win. So let's start with the three up and dig into game one. I, I guess this one is more of like, let's just add a feel-good asterisk to this person. Rowdy returns, which was cool to see. I like I always like seeing the videos of him going, hugging the guys during BP and stuff. And then also in that game, Kikuchi got his 500th career K. Yeah, it was really funny how those two things kind of coincided yeah. because Rowdy Telez comes up and you're like, this is an interesting situation because he was a key Blue Jay during that 2020 season where they were on the road the whole time, the COVID year. And he was a big part of why that team surprisingly made the expanded playoffs. And then he gets traded the following year, 2021 in July. And the the Jays didn't come back to Toronto until like three weeks after that. So he's one of these players that was on a, a good Jays team, but never got celebrated by the home fans because the last home game he played as a Jay was in September of 2019. 
So Jeez. he finally makes it back to Toronto now, and he's about to get his moment. And then Yusei Kikuchi strikes out his 500th guy. Very random thing to happen and just kind of like bombs through what 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 probably could have been a bigger nice moment for Rowdy, but was still like a nice moment. It's always nice to see the fans come through and clap and give that once a Blue Jay, always a Blue Jay vibe. It's an interesting story around Rowdy Telez because he's become like a solid power hitter in today's MLB. And you never hear people being like, oh, they gave up on him too fast. Or like, oh, why did they get rid of Rowdy? Blah, blah, blah. Because it's almost like there just really wasn't a spot for him. And at the time that deal made sense, you ended up getting Trevor Richards out of it and a prospect to uh, Bowden Francis. But like letting him go was never a point of contention. It was just one of those things where like, ah, he almost like outgrew his spot in on the roster. Yeah, there was just there was no real way to make it work, right? Yeah. Like once they decided to move Vladdy from third base third base to first base, where are you gonna fit him? Because we've talked about this nine million times, is they always have to have the DH spot kind of like, you know, something. That's why we didn't want them going after Nelson Cruz at the deadline and shit, right? But then to be fair, they do wind up signing Brandon Belt. So you look at it and you're like, well, eh, maybe Rowdy fits there. I don't know. It it just seemed like it was time for him to move on. It seems like he's really found his groove in Milwaukee. He's got 12 dingers this year. That's good. That's very he's, good. He's turned into a good player. But also from our perspective, Trevor Richards is a good reliever. We There was points in time last year where he was terrible and everyone was like, DFA this guy. But he's really rebounded and he's given them a lot of length in the bullpen too. So useful pitcher. So we wanted to start that with the feel good stories, but let's get into the meat and potatoes of that first win on uh, or a couple of days ago. You say Kikuchi pitches fine, gives up a two run Jack in the first and then settles down to give the Jays five solid. But the best pitching performance goes to Nate Pearson, who comes in, throws two innings, strikes out four of the six batters he faces and looks damn good again. This is again, talked about it on the last pod. It's not a coincidence anymore. It's not a little hot streak. Nate Pearson is settling in as a high-end reliever. Yeah, he came in and just kind of plowed through Milwaukee. Gets six outs. Four of them came through strikeouts. Just totally in control the whole time. It looked nothing like... Remember a couple of years ago, uh, thrown all the way back to... That would have been... Yeah, 2021 Pearson comes up and he's making that spot start in Houston. And he just cannot figure out where the strike zone is. It looks like he's trying to throw like a water balloon or something. And he just looks so uncomfortable, so confused, sweaty, just anxious. And then he comes back up here as a reliever. And he looks like he's been doing it for years, man. He looks like a veteran out there, like a closer. And I know people say, oh, man, this should be the eighth inning guy now. He's 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 nails right before Jordan Romano. Jimmy Garcia has been pretty bad. But if he can give you some length, we've been talking for years about having that Andrew Miller in the fifth, sixth, seventh innings. Maybe that's Nate Pearson. Yeah, I love that they made the decision to stretch him out. It's not the right term, but give him that extra inning of work, and he absolutely rewarded John Schneider. So put this one in the column because we choked about this three weeks ago or two weeks ago. People love to shit on a manager when he does something (laughs) bad. They never give a manager credit when he does something good. I give Schneider and Pete Walker credit for giving Nate Pearson a second inning there. Yeah, they saw they saw the way that he was grooving and it was quick and easy work of the Milwaukee yeah. Brewers. So why not go ahead and do it? It's true. It, it, it is good to say that because it's it does feel like the only time we ever bring the manager up is to be like, you know, if you had made this exact move that I told you to, it would have worked yeah. out. Never sit here and say, what a g- stroke of genius from the guys sitting on the bench. No, but that was, I thought it was a really smart play and it ended up working out. Uh, let's talk about Kevin Gosman for our second up. This dude's going to be nominated for another Cy Young. There's no way he's not. I know we're only two months into the season, but I'm willing to make the statement. He's a lock to be a nominee for the Cy Young. He struck out 11 batters, only walked two, only allowed five hits, didn't give up a run. He struck out 11 batters. That is insane. 
He's got a 2.76 ERA now for the season. And it honestly feels like it it should be lower. Like it feels yeah. like he's pitched better. It feels like 276 is inflated. Like enough stuff has gone wrong that it's a little bit higher. And uh, if you do look back at his starts, a lot of them come from that just disaster in Houston where he allowed like seven runs in the first inning. Um, it's been pretty much, I think he's made what, like 12 starts this year and um, yep. all but three of them have been quality. I think he's pretty much automatic <laughs> to clear through six innings. He's hit double digits and strikeouts five times in 12 starts. How? That's crazy. This is, yeah, this is the best starting pitching. Like the, the Jays have had Cy Young winners recently, like Robbie Ray. And I mean, this is the best starting pitching. Um, what, what they've been getting from Gosman in the first two months that I've seen in this like era of the Blue Jays. It feels different too. Yeah. Like again, Robbie Ray, and I don't know if it was the way he pitched or whatever. <laughs> the grunting. The grunting the and pants, all that. The it, noise. It had an element of like chaos to it. Even Manoa at his peak has like an element of chaos to it in a way because you're grunting and just a fireball or whatever. And Gosman is just like surgical easy. in the way he moves around the zone. Yeah, he makes it look way too easy. I don't think I've seen a Blue Jays pitcher toss at this. And I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm just misremembering, but I can't remember a Blue Jays pitcher just tossing it this easy and being so good since Roy Holiday. And somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, maybe I'm just misremembering some of those weird years in the middle between, you know, um, before they got into this generation yeah. where they were actually making the playoffs, but. I don't know. I, I I really can't. He he does remind me of Roy Holiday on the mound at, at times. He uh, leads the American League with 100 strikeouts. Shohei Otani is in second at 90. Shane McClanahan third at 82. So for this guy to fall out of the top three in strikeouts for the American League, someone's got to catch him by 18. Insane. Kevin Gosman absolutely dialed in against the Milwaukee Brewers in that series finale. Are you saying he's a lock to win the Cy Young? I'm not saying he's a lock to win it. I'm saying he's a lock to be nominated. So you're not going to put your name beside that right now and say Kevin Gosman's a lock to win the Cy Young. I'm not going that far. It's still a long season, but I just, he looks so calm. Why are you saying he's a lock to win the Cy Young? I think he's a lock to throw a no hitter at some point this year because I made it my prediction that a Blue Jay was going to throw a no hitter. So if I can make that a lock, you can say that he's going to win the Cy Young. Yeah. These are real locks that we definitely believe in. Yeah. Well, that's why I wasn't going to say it, because if I'm going to say something's a lock, I want to believe it. Um, how about Kevin Kiermeyer for our third up? I, I just love this guy. I get the bat is going to go cold at some point. He's not going to finish the year batting 300 or doing whatever. I'm fully aware of that. But that catch he made in game three is one of the best catches you will see because there's no TV dive. There's nothing gimmicky or show-offy about it. That's just a dude who runs a near-perfect route to a ball and goes desperation mode to make a play. That was awesome. And then the way he just kind of like pops up and sits there and has that little like smug smirk on his face. It's baller. I love it. Shai Davidi tweeted uh, shortly after that happened that Kevin Kiermeyer hauled ass at a sprint speed of 30.4 feet per second and covered 92 feet to rob um, whoever that Milwaukee player was. They were talking on the broadcast too, like, a guy who had hip surgery not that long ago is yeah. able to get and is in his mid thirties and he's day to day with an injury right now. Apparently yeah, a lower back injury can get up to 30.4 feet per second. That's nuts to watch George Springer. Like <laughs> Springer started like, what with, the fuck was, he, was yeah. it looked like he was shocked that he got that ball, but like Springer was closer to that ball when it's hit. And it's almost like he knows, like, I don't even, I can like give it a good effort, but Kev's probably got this one. Yeah, there was when as when the ball came off the bat and I saw the way that it was soaring, it's like there's no way that he could possibly catch it. Like 
this is more impressive than those wall catches because, you know, those, those home runs kind of hang up for a bit and you have a chance yeah. to kind of park yourself and be like, all right. It's more of a feat yeah. of timing than athleticism in some ways. Yeah, it's, um, you get back to the wall, you make that, you use your speed and then you time it and you jump to make the play. You have time to think. Whereas with this, he had to just like put his body in a certain direction, gun it in a straight line and then time when to dive with that momentum, knowing he was going to land on fucking concrete. <laughs> And it's going to hurt. Dude, landing on that turf would not be fun. I wouldn't do that. I'm not jumping and landing on my, <laughs> on, like landing flat. And you're younger than Kevin Kiermeyer. I am. Yeah. And I am. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, and I probably have worse lower back bend than he does too. It's a great point. <laughs> great point. Uh, I just want to give Kevin Kiermeyer some love because the defense was awesome. Then he almost did that a second time in the eighth inning when he lays out and almost makes another crazy diving catch. So Kevin Kiermeyer was awesome. Good to see him healthy. Yeah, thank fuck he's not injured. Yeah. Like there was um in that Minnesota series when he made that second throw and he yeah. looked like not good. It was, oh no, here it comes. We're gonna be without Kevin Kiermeyer for two months. And that's gonna suck because you know, you say maybe the batting will go. Yeah, it probably will. The defense won't. He's always gonna have speed. He always is like um he's always like a catalyst for the Jays. He always brings an energy to the game. Yeah. And those couple of games when he wasn't in the lineup, it was noticeable that he wasn't there. So missing him for any period of time would suck. Wild that we're saying that about Kevin Kiermaier right? two months into the season. It's weird. It also feels like, I, and I swear I've said this like 15 times this year, but it feels like he's been here forever. Yeah. It doesn't feel like he's a brand new Jay at all. Because we're so used to him roasting us at Rogers Center. Yeah, it's true. All the impressive plays, we saw, we saw him do it for nearly a decade against us. And now we're like, holy shit, this is so cool. Nate Pearson's impressive outing. The bullpen was awesome in this series as a whole as well. I mean, when you look at uh, after Kevin Gosman pitched, they go Swanson, they go Romano. I know Romano gave up the one run on kind of a weird play. Um, that was Rowdy Telez getting a stand-up triple. <laughs> Who had that on their bingo card for this series? I still think Romano looked really good. Uh, he got the double play ball. Swanson looked good in that outing as well. The bullpen is rounding into form here again. Like there was that little bit of time where I was like, shit, are, are they starting to slip up? Romano was blowing saves. And I was like, we going to have to do our usual June, July conversation of what relievers are out there. But it looks like the bullpen's calming down. Trevor Richards went two innings once as well. It goes back to um, those, those, those longer relief performances they're getting from guys like Pearson being able to go two. there was Trevor Richards in that one game where um, it was a poor Manoa start or a poor Kikuchi start. I can't remember which one, but he goes three innings. And it's like, that's such a game changer for protecting your bullpen, not having to use like Eric Swanson in the ninth inning of a game where you're losing eight, two or something yep. like that. It goes all the way back to that. And like we said too, I think um, Schneider and Pete Walker pushed the right buttons in this series too. They yep. went with the hot hand when it was working. They weren't afraid to let guys get more than three outs. And that's, that's, that's what you need to do. Really solid bullpen management. Uh, so yeah, we got the Pearson thing in the bullpen. We got Kevin Gosman's gem in the third game. Kevin Kiermaier just looking awesome out in the field. Talked a little bit about Rowdy and Kikuchi off the jump. Uh, we'll do a bonus up here for three up, three down. Matt Chapman having himself a nice series. That dude had an April to remember, a May to forget. Uh, it was just the contrast between the two is just absolutely stunning. Over In his last 30 games, and granted, this is including Milwaukee, only batting 222, but he did have a good series against the Brewers. Picks up a hit in every game, gets on base five times over the three games, three RBIs as well. Really solid from, from Chapman. He was struggling catching up to heat, which yeah. is why when he hit that opposite field home run, it was like, okay. That's probably a sign whatever adjustments he's making are starting to work. Yeah, that was like an April home run. Yeah. And it's uh, you mentioned those like that huge divide, the amazing April and then the terrible May. It, it 
it really is pretty much it, it it coincides exactly with how the team has performed too right like they got off the great season in april when chapman was a huge part of that and then him cooling down was a huge part of their struggles in may too like we've, we've talked about this before they don't have the same offensive depth this year that they have in the past mm-hmm. there's no teoscar there's no guriel it's not as deep of a lineup so whenever a guy like chapman or vladdy or Bo, one of those big three i guess springer as well like the big four whenever one of them slumps the team really feels it and then whenever one of them gets hot, that's when you see those good stretches. So you'd really like to see even just something right in the middle of those two levels, right? You, I don't think any of us expected Matt Chapman to do that whole, you know, what was it, OPS in April, like 1100 yeah. or something. Obviously, wasn't going to do it for the entire season, but just something in the middle of these two extremes, just the hitter he was last year, but slightly better would be just fine for the Jays. I would like to, I, I thought that was going to be the last positive point we made, but Bobachek goes yard in the third game of this series. He was a little bit quieter. He had no for five in the series opener, um, but he's still like, again, another dinger for Bobachek. I think that moves him, you know, onto the leaderboard in terms of the top 30 some guys in the American League, but he's hitting the ball really well right now. Do you feel more comfortable saying that Bo's a lock to win the AL batting title or Kevin Gosman's a lock to win the Cy Young? If you had to make one a lock, yeah, you, had to pick you have to. Have to make one a lock. I think I might say Bo. Yeah. I mean, you look at last year, he got better as the year went on. Bo really didn't hit his stride. Bo, Bo Timber. Yeah, Bo Timber, man. That was crazy. That was sick. Or did, did we agree on Bo Timber? Or was it September? September or Bo Timber? Yeah, September makes sense. Yeah. Well, they both do. Sure. Anyways, he's a guy who has shown he can get better as the year goes on. So I see no reason why Bo Bichette can't win the batting title. And if you're going to have a Bo Bichette batting title, and he's on pace for under 30 dingers, but let's say he gets the long ball going. You win a batting title and hit 30 dingers? Yeah. Playing a premier defensive position? Is there maybe not a conversation to be had about your MVP case? Well, especially if uh, if the Jays make it into the playoffs, and I, and I am saying if, I don't think it's a guarantee. I think it will happen, but it's still enough. If that happens and Vladdy doesn't have a great year and Bo was the better of the two players, I think that brings to life some MVP talk. I wasn't sure if I was crazy for bringing it up. I, I, I don't mean MVP talk like he's the, the likely one to win it, but I mean like a handful of first place votes. Some some he'd have an interesting case. Yeah, perhaps a finalist. Yeah. Like yeah, he'll he'll show up with votes. That's you know any, anytime you do, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. All right, let's switch to the down from this series. There are a few things we got to uh, we got to get hit on. Let's start with Alec Manoa though. Um, he, he seemed like. Yeah, weirdly not optimistic after that last start and his quote after which made the rounds on social media. He said, quote, the mindset of don't throw a ball here instead of throw a strike here is it's a difference maker right now. I'm stuck and don't throw a ball here. And you hear that. And then I think about watching that start, even his last two, the amount of times he gets a guy. Oh, two. And then just crumbles, man. And like not crumbles in like a, ooh, needed a call to go his way. Actually, early in the start against Milwaukee, every call was going his way. There was a lot of borderline strikes that I noticed that I was like, whew, he's getting help. And yet you're still getting guys 0-2 and then it's a foot and a half above the zone, spiked into the dirt, almost hitting the guy. And I just, I don't get it, man. I'm at such a loss watching this guy pitch because the stuff... He has the stuff. We've seen the stuff for a season and a half, if not more. Why it's not coming together, what's missing with him? I know people are breaking down how far his stride is, how central his knee is to his body when he's delivering. I'm at the point I don't even care about any of that. I'm just legitimate worried that he might not get it back. 
Yeah, honestly, like when when you see quotes like this, and I think it was it was pretty apparent also on the broadcast when they panned into, you know, him sitting in the bench after only tossing four innings, clearly not happy that he's come out, but also what argument can you make? It was four innings pitch, three hits, three walks, two earned runs, two strikeouts. Like he didn't get drilled around and allow five home runs in this yeah. one, but he also had to labor through like 88 pitches to get through four innings. So, but you just see him in the, in the dugout and he just doesn't look like the same guy that he has in the past. Like when he came up immediately, um, it was all the swagger, the confidence, the, the excitement, the energy that he brought, the smile, positivity. And now he just looks like a guy that's so deep in his own head. You worry like, is this even about what was it even about in the first place? Like what was the technical issue? Who knows? But like beyond even figuring out the technical issue, like how are you going to work past the negative mindset now of having these two awful months when your entire career has been success? Like he's never had a bad stretch. I like not just the bad stretch of the majors, man. He's never had a go back to his college career. The guy didn't have bad stretches. So this is a feeling that's just absolutely foreign to the dude. It's, I couldn't even imagine what he's trying to go through and trying to work this out. Like I'm sure Pete Walker is just as frustrated, well, more frustrated than we are sitting here because I'm sure he's almost out of answers. No one saw this coming. I'll say no. um, there, there's definitely merit to when uh, more of the sabermetic metric slanted people talked step about back. Maybe, yeah, but not this. A regression to being a number three or four starter, be Mark Burley pitch to contact. Sure. But nobody saw him becoming like, he looks like he, he would go down to the Buffalo Bisons and not even pitch well there. It's completely, yeah, it's, it's insane to see. It's really something. Speaking of which <laughs> Mitch White had a rehab start and he was terrible. Not like, you know, got roughed up a little Four earned runs in an inning and a third. So let's do this whole song and dance again. If you want to give Manoa 10 days off, what do you do? Uh, well, um, they asked about what the plan would be. I think need a sixth starter. And Manoa's starts are now lined up with Bowden Francis's starts in AAA, but he's more of like a multi-inning reliever. So yeah. I would guess bullpen day, led by Trevor Richards doing two or three innings, you hope? Or, or would they consider using a, a, an opener for him? Nate Pearson? Maybe. Do you want to mess with the groove Nate Pearson's in? Probably not. Yeah, that would suck because they have all these relievers working in all these spots. Richards is great in the middle innings. Pearson's been unreal. Like using these guys as an opener, that would be kind of a waste. Yeah. So you got to find something. It's the Mitch White thing is really unfortunate because we thought at worst this guy was just going to be like a multi inning reliever this year, and he doesn't even look like he can do that. I wouldn't want him pitching, you know, in 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 garbage innings in the major leagues right now. Yeah. Oof. Ugly. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Vladdy. The power's not coming back for this guy. He's our second down from this series against Milwaukee. And I feel like this series, in a way, sums up his season as a whole. Was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. terrible? No. Made a couple of nice defensive plays. Went three for five in the first game. That's a damn good evening at the ballpark when you go three for five with an RBI. But there's no pop. Like, he's not... I think there was one in, in the third game that went... That was like a deep fly ball. But he's barely even doing that. There was a good quote that I saw on Twitter. I think it was from Rob Wong. He said, um, I thought that after the season that he had in 2021, the, the, the MVP finalist season, that we were just going to be looking at the back of Vladdy's baseball card, seeing his stats, home runs, average OPS, and being like, yeah. Instead, now we're back to square one where we're talking about his saber metrics being like, oh, he's drilling the ball. He's got an exit of this, an ISO of that. And it's just like, man, like I just want to see this guy 
like we saw it for the first month of the year too, which makes this all the more shitty is we saw he's like the 1000 OPS hitter that's going to hit 40 bombs. We saw it. It was there. And then where did it go? Yeah, I was listening to uh, Blair and Barker the other day. I will never forgive Sportsnet for canceling Tim and Friends because I'm for us in the mountain time zone, that show being on from three to five. It's a great time slot. It's a great time slot. You're finishing up your workday with Tim and Friends on in the background. Now I listen to Blair and Barker every day. Um, And they were talking about how Vladdy flew out his uncle to come like watch him in the cage and like how that could have an impact on Guillermo, the hitting coach, being like, why don't you trust what I'm telling you? Why do you need to fly in your family members? The point is, Vladdy's not lost like Manoa. The dude's batting 285 this year. His OPS is 800. Like, not Vladdy, not the numbers we want from Vladdy, but if anyone else on the team was doing this, we'd be like, hey, they're having a decent start to the season. But it still just feels like there's something missing with them. Yeah, I, to an extent, he's a victim of the expectations, right? Yep. Like, we 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 had such high expectations given the prospect status. I mean, and and he's he's validated it too. Like, he's had those amazing stretches. He had that amazing season. He had this year in April. There was a reason. Like, there's a reason we're all everyone feels a bit down about his performance right now is because the way he kicked things off in April looked like it was going to be 2021 again, and yep. now it's ah, he's jamming the ball into the ground. It's who knows? Hopefully yeah. he turns it around. But I mean, they're they're really not the same offense with him like this as they are when he's on because the the team is built around him being good. Yep. And he's far from bad. I ain't saying he's bad, but mm-hmm. he's just not the, not the best right now. And you might be listening to this going, why haven't they talked about the one big storyline from the week? Why haven't they gotten into this yet? It's our third down. And it's just the Anthony Bats situation as a whole. I mean, you don't need us to take you through what went down there and what Anthony Bass posted and all of that. I, You are free to have views. I am free to disagree with your views. And everyone is. And also a big company like the Toronto Blue Jays is more than free to sit there and go, as an employee, when you do things on social media that reflect poorly on us, reflect poorly on our fans. Oh yeah. Also Budweiser spends how much money to sponsor us in the outfield. We are free to treat you how we want and have there's consequences to your actions is what I'm trying to say. And Anthony Bass coming out after doing that, posting bigoted views to him for him to say, I'm going to make this quick read off a half-ass apology and not take any questions, which then means John Schneider has to take those questions just pushing the blame off and pushing the onus on someone else to answer for his behavior. I thought it was cowardly. I didn't think very high of Anthony Bass ever since that thing on Twitter with the United Airlines thing. I think way less of Anthony Bass after what he posted. And then I somehow think way less about Anthony Bass after how he apologized. That's my two, three cents on the thing. Yeah, I think you wrapped it up. You summed it up perfectly. It was... He, he, given the Twitter thing that started earlier in the season, the popcorn thing, it Fuck, was, he just seems so entitled. Man. It was so condescending. It was so rude. And, you know, he got, he got his shit for it. He got made fun of a lot, but I think, you know, he carried on the team kept going. They're like, they didn't decide, okay, here's a guy who's a distraction. Who's pitching poorly. Let's DFA him. Let's get him out of here. They stuck with him, And through that, he now comes out a month later on a different social media platform. And Anthony Bass isn't just some dumbass. Like he went to university, he pitched in the NCAA. Um, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's saying. He knows what the messages are. He's not. It's not. Oh, I accidentally like this because I don't know how an iPhone works. No, that's shared not, it to his Instagram story. Yeah, There's he, a couple steps involved there. Yeah. So you're representing the Toronto Blue Jays. You're representing the city. You're representing the country. And then, you know, as an employee too, like. <laughs> Budweiser is a huge sponsor of the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, 
Budweiser's more worth more to the Jays than Anthony Bass is. Yeah, it's not even not close. E- not even close. And then think of all the paying customers who now, you know, who are part of that community who are, you know, like it's the same thing. Like you're 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 directly saying that to them too. Like you have to use your brain, be considerate of other people. If if you need to feel this way and these are truly your held beliefs, then have a locked account, keep it private, keep it in your group chat. I don't know, but you can't represent the team this way. It's it it's awful. It's it's just such negativity to have around. Nobody wants this. And he was justified in the 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 response the fan gave the fans gave was justified. It was I can't remember seeing a player get booed that loudly from their own fans. I don't know when this has ever happened for the Jays. I, I can't think of it. I can't. I can't. No, yeah. I, I, I can't even like that was the kind of loud boo you'd hear for like an opponent, like uh, like a team rival opponent, not just yeah. an opponent who roof net odor. Yeah. Like that's, that's the loudness that we heard the, the roof net odor when he fucked up that one time out of the batter's box, like that level. And you know, good on the fans for, 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 for showing him that then Do you make anything of Marcus Stroman coming out and saying nobody wants him in the clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause um, Marcus Stroman has been the one who's received quite a bit of shit from people in the past. People with, we rip Marcus Stroman quite a bit. We do. And I mean, I always try and do it tongue in cheek because I don't actually not respect the guy. I recognize yeah. he's a good ball player and it's just kind of funny to make fun of a former player with a big ego. But I mean, Marcus Stroman has been throughout his career. He's been painted with a brush where a lot of his former teammates have said shit about him. And a lot of his former teammates kind of align with the patterns of a guy like Anthony Bass. <laughs> and, you know, for Marcus Stroman to now be able to come out and be like, hey, you know what? I'm not the cancer this fucking guy is. I'm sure that feels nice. I'm sure it does feel nice. Uh, so we'll leave it at that. Um, we'll see if the Jays go any further with this. I think you, before we started recording, made a good point. I was surprised the Jays, or you were surprised the Jays let him pitch in this series and didn't just say, hey, we're going to save your first couple appearances back from on the road. Me too. I really thought that they were going to set him out for this entire series. And yeah. the, the camera at one point... Um, hand to John Schneider and Pete Walker in the dugout as they were booing. And I think they were a little bit surprised. The look on their face. I, I'll be, I'll be honest. I kind of was too. Like yeah. also we were seeing the flip side of giving fans access to the pitchers warming in the bullpen. Keegan Matheson had a tweet that he noticed bass was warming up. And right as he was noticing police were escorting a fan up the stairs. So um, there's the flip side of giving that you thought the other team's pitchers were going to have it rough. Whoa, boy, Anthony bass also got it from that perspective as well, would you be the least bit surprised if two weeks from now there's like a bass for another struggling reliever trade or just bass DFA? Yeah, it wouldn't be shocking. I mean, he's been good this year at the end of the day. Like this is a at best above average depth arm in your bullpen. And I really don't see as how it's worth the hassle at this point. Yeah. Cause now every press conference, John Schneider does, he's got to say something about it. Keeps getting asked about it. And And, what's, what's he going to do next? Like he didn't learn his lesson from the Twitter thing and did something significantly shittier the second time. That's a good. What's point, the third dude. thing going to be like? Yep. I, I I don't know why they're continuing this. I I think it's shocking. Yeah, I'm with you. Can't wait for Zach Pop to come back. Sure. Yeah. There we go. And then you can there you go make that little swap. There it seems like a natural uh, natural point. How much longer does he have on the IL? Probably not that much longer. Hey, he should be back reasonably be soon. Back it feels someday. like it's been it's been well over a week by now. Yeah. At least we're hoping. Zach pops back reasonably soon. Uh, so there you go. We'll we'll wrap up that conversation there. I think everybody's kind of gotten enough of that. Mm-hmm. And we like to be a podcast that's a bit of a distraction from serious things. But still... Yeah, we don't want to gloss over it. Like, yeah, we don't want to gloss... I'm calling like, the guy's an asshole for what he did. The guy's yeah. a bigot. Like, I'm not beating around the bush saying what he did was okay. Um, 
But yeah, I think we've all gotten our fair share of Anthony Bass takes on social media. Yeah, we, we, we've talked so much more about Anthony Bass this year than we should. Yeah. All right. We're, uh, we're going to get to a few other things here on the show, but first we're going to step aside for a quick break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, Coomzy. The Jays go out. They take two or three from the Milwaukee Brewers. All of a sudden, we're feeling good. And now they got a three-gamer coming up against the Milwaukee or against the New York Mets. Oh, boy. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's get to the AL East report with our producer, Brandon Douglas. Brandon, I mentioned off the top, the Jays moved out of the basement in this series. Um, tell us what else went on around uh, the American League. Well, guys, the Jays did not squander this opportunity like we talked about them doing last time around um, where their opponents in the AL East actually did stumble a little bit. And the Jays winning this series gives them a chance to put themselves back into that playoff contention area. They did leap over the Red Sox who uh, have dropped their first two games to the Reds. Game three will go later this afternoon. So anytime you see a divisional opponent losing to a team as lowly as Cincinnati, that alone alone put a smile on your face. Central division team as always. Uh, later today, Chris Sale is scheduled to start for the Red Sox, though. So uh, the, the Bow Sox are kind of sliding seven of their last nine in the L column. Um, and after this weekend, they will be playing the Tampa Bay Rays for four games, including a doubleheader on Saturday. So even if you chalk up this uh, this afternoon's game with Chris Sale on the bump as a win over the Reds, you can kind of look ahead with that series of the Rays and say, as long as they beat each other up and take a couple games off of each other as a, as a success over the weekend. Uh, on the topic of the Rays, they as well took a little bit of a stumble, losing two of three to the Cubs, who kind of seemed to actually be finding themselves a little bit here in the in the middle of the month. We talked about both central divisions from each respective league not being particularly good. Well, they kind of showed up this weekend and doing the Jays some favors in the process. Um, really low scoring series. Uh, the aforementioned Marcus Stroman, nine scoreless on Monday, giving up one hit, one walk, and eight Ks in that That's outing. Unreal. That was a terrific performance by him. And uh Ray's ace, Shane McClanahan, getting his first loss of the season in this series as well. Uh, he didn't pick 
pitch particularly badly in that game. But when you don't have the run support, it doesn't really matter what um, what you're doing on the mound. And uh, as I mentioned, they will go into four games with Boston over the weekend, starting on Friday. The Orioles chalk that up as another series loss for a divisional opponent. Oh, wow. Two of three to Cleveland. They dropped uh, and a little bit even worse news for the Orioles. They've kind of been fighting a lot of stuff between injuries to their rotation and some of the pitching. Cedric Mullins has now been put on the 10 day IL and in response to it, they signed former Yankee Aaron Hicks uh, to play in the field and hopefully give them a little bit of extra depth on the bench. But he actually left. Um, I can't remember if it was the second or third game of this series with an injury as well. So yeah. might be a little bit of a short lived tenure there, uh, depending how serious that injury is. Um, and they're going to go a three game series with San Francisco starts Friday. That is going to be on the road for the Orioles as well. So they're kind of still bobbling along after that super hot streak, kind of just up and down series win two of three lose two of three. So the bigger thing I think to note is that while they kept pace with the Rays here over this last little stretch of the Orioles being so hot, they've closed Tampa Bay's division lead to only four games, which if you, if you were to say that at the start of the season, that by June 1st, the Orioles would be a second place in the division and only four games back of the Rays after they started 13 and 0. I, I, I would certainly be surprised uh, if, if nobody else is, it's been impressive. Like they're young kids of like Adley Rutschman's oh, just yeah. continued to look awesome. They got some pieces there in Baltimore. Oh, absolutely. They're going to be good real soon. And that's why I'll say again and again and again, it's shocking. They didn't invest more financially this year. They could have it's been so good. I'll use the word embarrassing that yes. they didn't decide. I feel to bad for their fans. Honestly, hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. And, and yeah, like you said, the, between the young talent and, and some uh, individual stepping up, it, they're a fun team to watch. So despite being a division opponent, uh, I do like watching Orioles baseball so far this year. And last but certainly not least, a team that I'm not quite as fond of watching, the New York Yankees. <laughs> they were the only divisional opponent to come out with a series win this week, taking two of three in Seattle on the road. Um, they put up a 10 spot in the first two games before getting blanked in a um, extra inning loss in the finale on Wednesday. Uh, Aaron Judge, three more home runs in the series. Domingo Germán made his return to the lineup in the Monday start. He went six and a third, seven hits, four and runs, three walks, four Ks. Uh, nothing to shake a stick at, but when it gets the win, uh, Yankees fans will be happy to see a more reliable arm back in their rotation. And they will head out over the weekend to Los Angeles for a three-game set with the Dodgers. Oof. So outside of that, guys, I mean, uh, we, we've talked a lot about the AL East and its competitiveness, but... Don't look, uh, don't look too far because the AL West is giving them a pretty good run it's for their good. money as the most competitive divi- divi- division. Pardon me, in baseball, and uh, should should make for some uh, several series worth keeping eyes on over the weekend. The Angels are in the mix. The Mariners are just half a game back. In look, the Jays. At, like, look at Oakland down there, though. That's so they're twenty four point five games back at the start of June. They're going to finish like a hundred games back. And that's how many people are at their games right now. Oh, I don't need to kick that fan base no. when they're down. And honestly, if I was an A's fan, I wouldn't be going to the games right no, now. I, no, either. I'd be pissed off. I think it's bullshit. Um, but there when you go. Are, when do the Jays go to Oakland? That's when does that happen? Oh, frick, I forget. I... I'm trying to search it up on their schedule, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, they're hosting Toronto at the start of September. There will be zero people there. Hey, if you want, I think we actually made this joke on a couple of pods ago. Like, if you ever want to get an up close and personal look at your Toronto Blue Jays, you fly out to Oakland for that series. Um, All right, there you go, Brandon. So it seems like, just again, going through what you said, a couple of pretty good matchups on the out of town scoreboard for Toronto, right? Like, there's an inter division one between Boston and Tampa. So maybe a chance for Tampa to find their game in Boston and get pushed back. And then tough matchups for everyone else. 
the, yeah, there's more reason to be optimistic with the Jays back-to-back series wins compiled with um, their divisional opponent struggles as of late. Uh, yeah, there's certain nice. certain things to, to keep your eyes on. And like I said, be optimistic moving forward to jump up a couple more spots in the standings. There you go. AL East report with our producer, Brandon Douglas. Let's get set for what the Jays have on tap. And that is three against the New York Mets. Coombs. The Jays are going to be going Chris Bassett, Jose Barrios, and Yusei Kikuchi in their three games. And they do avoid Max Scherzer in this series as he went uh, today for the New York Mets. So pretty good lineup there, I think, right? They shouldn't have to face that good of an arm. It's uh, is, it, is it valid Over to say... Lander. They're facing Verlander, but he hasn't yeah. been fantastic this year. He's got a 480 ERA over the course of it's only been five starts, kind of a small sample size, but only striking out 6.6 guys per nine. That's not typical Verlander stuff. So not age, as best. age might be becoming a bit of a factor there. And then there's Tyler Miguel, who has a 4.67 ERA across 11 starts. He's also got terrible peripherals. 7.2 strikeouts per nine, 4.5 walks per nine. And I think Kode Senga is the third starter, but they don't have anything listed. I, I went back and tried to figure it out, and I think that's what it was, but I can't remember. Anyways, he's at 3.44 ERA. He's been fine. He's, he's, got, he's been striking out a lot of batters this year, too, actually, as well. Um, yeah, and the Mets have won three in a row as well, so they're looking to find their game. They're holding on to a wild card spot in the National League. So absolutely no slouch of an opponent. They just swept away uh, the Phillies before that, though it was a series loss to the Rockies before that it was a series loss to the Cubs as well. So they weird blend of things. I know they've been an up and down ball club. They're they're like the blue Jays of the national league. Kinda. We were, I feel like the blue Jays and Mets of the past few years, even if you go back to like 2015, they're basically cousins. Like they're they're like the opposite sides. Like they're the same and the same thing. It's been, you know, these are the two teams that have been spending a bunch of cash that have been really going for, and it just hasn't really worked out for either of them Mm -hmm. yet. Hopefully. 710 on Friday, 410 on Saturday, 140 on Sunday to uh, wrap everything up as the Jays go out to New York for a three game set. And then they're back home for a full week getting the Astros and Twins. So interesting week of baseball here for the Toronto Blue Jays. I think they take two or three against the Mets. I think we're talking about a third straight series win on Sunday, Coombsy. I think so too. That's what you got to look for. The Mets are the National League version of you, the shittier version of you. Yeah. You should win that. Should win that battle. All right, there you go. That's a wrap on episode 149 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. We'll chat with you after three against the Mets. Enjoy it, Kimsey. Best wishes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.